Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. It is now crunch time as we count down to Tuesday with all-out efforts by candidates, political parties, and special interest groups to earn your vote in the midterm elections. Vice President Mike Pence made a last-minute campaign swing through Hudson, Wisconsin Saturday to stump for Republican candidates in both Wisconsin and Minnesota. Remember, these elections are won by the people that show up, right? And remember... Friends don't let friends vote alone. It is going to be all about turnout, and across both states, volunteers have been busy door-knocking, calling, and rallying supporters. You can expect much more of that all the way up to Election Day on Tuesday. The race for attorney general in Minnesota has become one of the most heated and polarizing races this election season. Our new KSTP Survey USA poll shows one candidate with a small lead. Eric Shalhoub breaks down the results in the race between Keith Ellison and Doug Wardlow. Keith Ellison, extreme, out of touch. He'd use the attorney general's office to advance his radical right-wing agenda. Both candidates for Minnesota's attorney general are getting in their final punches. In the closing days, our exclusive KSTP Survey USA poll shows the DFL candidate Keith Ellison has a four-point advantage over Republican Doug Wardlow, 44% to 40, but look at the undecided at 12%. The poll has a margin of error of 5.3%, conducted this week of 600 likely voters statewide. That's a change from six weeks ago when the race was tied at 41%. The latest poll suggests that sort of Democrats are, are coming home to their party and negative partisanship or dislike for the other party's candidate may be a particularly strong force in this race. These are two candidates who were almost as far apart as you possibly could be on the issues. We also asked, are the domestic abuse allegations against Ellison a factor in deciding how you will vote for attorney general or not? 37% replied, it's a factor. 43% said it's not, while 21% weren't sure. Ellison's denied his ex-girlfriend's allegations, but digging deeper into the data, how's his party leaning in the poll? 26% of Democrats said the allegations were a factor in how they'll vote, while 48% said they weren't a deciding factor. I think the race has become a lot closer than it was originally anticipated. We asked students from Professor Pearson's campaigns class for their take. Some people choose uh, not to vote for that uh, that part of the ballot. Uh, with, I've met a lot of people who are choosing to do that. But Heather Keeney feels others in the AG race will end up voting party over person. Part of that issue plays into how partisan the office of attorney general has become. Eric Shalhoub, 5 Eyewitness News. The candidates for Minnesota governor faced off in their final debate Friday on Almanac. Jeff Johnson and Tim Walls disagreed on nearly everything from immigration to health care and the minimum wage. I think we need to make sure we get to uh, to a living wage for folks. That probably is at, at the minimum. I think Minnesota's moving in that direction. The good news is that in this uh, this economy, we're starting to see folks that understand to try and get people that are attracting women. Wages are going up, and we'll get there, and that's better for the economy. I believe that a $15 minimum wage mandated by government when uh, you know we're several dollars lower than that, it's not just going to hurt small businesses, which people talk about all the time. It's going to hurt the people who we claim to want to help. Johnson says it could lead to job losses. And we have our final KSTP Survey USA poll in this race as well. It shows Walls and Johnson are still locked in a tight battle, but one candidate does have a lead. 
That is, as I spent 20 years in the classroom and Jeff spent none. The candidates for Minnesota governor have tangled in several debates since August. We've seen massive tax hikes in Minnesota, but our roads are still a mess. There's also been a TV ad blitz. We may not all look the same, but we share some pretty important beliefs. Which has mostly favored Democrat Tim Walls because he's raised more money and has more support from special interest groups. It all adds up to an eight-point lead for Walls over Republican Jeff Johnson, 49% to 41%. But there are still 9% undecided, and the poll has a margin of error of 5.3%. There are significant undecided, so this is still a competitive race. Political analyst Stephen Shear of Carleton College says the margin of error coupled with 9% undecided means this race isn't out of reach for Johnson. But the poll is nearly unchanged from our last survey in September when Walls led by seven. The basic dynamics haven't really changed. There haven't been any sort of bombshell issues or big disclosures about any of the candidates since the last survey that would dramatically shift the race. Our KSTP Survey USA poll shows Walls leading in the Twin Cities area 53 to 37 percent. But Johnson leads 51 to 37 percent in northeastern Minnesota. The two are tied in southern and western Minnesota at about 44%. The gender gap also remains, with Walls leading among women 55 to 33%. Johnson leads 50% to 41% among men. The gender gap is a hardy perennial now in Minnesota politics, and I think President Trump has helped to maintain that gender gap. As in all of our polling so far this fall, health care is identified as the number one issue. And among voters who say that, Tim Walls has a big lead, 68 to 23 percent. But Johnson leads by wide margins on jobs and the economy and taxes. Those are the second and third most important issues, according to our poll. And we have responses from all the candidates highlighted in our Survey USA polls on the Vote 2018 page at KSTP.com. There you can also take a deeper look at the data, plus find your polling location and see everything that's on the ballot coming up on Tuesday. The candidates in Minnesota's special U.S. Senate race met for their first one-on-one -on -one debate this week. Tina Smith and Karen Housley differed over many issues, including immigration and the migrant caravan making its way to the U.S. border. We have laws and we should follow the laws with this group just as we do with any other. We do have borders and we do need secure, to secure our borders. And some of them have already turned around because he said he is sending troops to that border. That border. Smith and Housley will meet for their final debate tonight on Minnesota Public Radio. Whoever wins will serve the final two years of former Senator Al Franken's term. Tonight on 5 Eyewitness News at 10, we'll have our exclusive KSTP Survey USA poll results in this special U.S. Senate election. A million dollars has already been invested in the lone state Senate race this year. The special election is in Senate District 13 in central Minnesota. It pits Republican Jeff Howe against Democrat Joe Persky with control of the Senate at stake. The seat was vacated in May when Republican Michelle Fishbach was appointed lieutenant governor. This race will determine which party controls the Senate and maybe the entire legislature. Do you know me, Joe Persky? Yes. Yeah, I want to just say hi. Democrat no, Joe Persky is in the biggest race of his life. My focus has always been doing what's right for the people, and that's what I hope to do down there. And for a man who's run more than 100 marathons, 
that's saying something. You I appreciate the support. Yeah, yeah you bet. All right, I'm going to keep moving. All right. I'm going to run all this way for the next week as well and try to talk to people and see if we can get it done. Hopefully I got your support. Yes. Thank you. But standing in Persky's way is Republican Jeff Howe, a retired Minnesota National Guard commander who did two tours in Iraq. Jeff Howe. Hi. Running for state senate. You didn't win the Publishers Clearinghouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> Howe is a member of the Minnesota House, but he's in a race with a Democrat who's a county commissioner and former mayor of Sartell. Both are well-known and tireless campaigners. We actually bumped into each other door knocking and said, you know, have you already been down this? Yeah, well, I'm not going to bother these people again. Have you been up there? Yeah. So we just agreed to go to some, a different neighborhood then. These three signs illustrate the challenges facing Democrat Joe Persky. His Republican opponent, Jeff Howe, represents half of this Senate district right now in the Minnesota House. Two years ago, he received 66% of the vote. The other half of the Senate district is represented by another Republican, Tim O'Driscoll. He received 70% of the vote. The Republican senator Persky wants to replace, she received 69% of the vote. Voters here are getting a lot of campaign mail. <laughs> every, every day. In fact, I got three of them today. And candidates at the door. I think it helps. Yes, I do. I do, especially if they come up and talk to you. The pressure is on how to keep Democrats from taking control of the Minnesota Senate. We're going to work. I don't, I'm not, I don't like the word fight, but we're going to work to make that sure that that doesn't happen. The marathoner Persky says he'll sprint to the finish. I'm running for the people of central Minnesota. I'm not running for a Democratic Party. While that is the only race in the state Senate this year, all of the state House seats are up for grabs. Coming up next, we'll be joined by House Speaker Kurt Dowd and Minority Leader Melissa Hortman to talk about what's at stake in their chamber at the state capitol. All 134 seats in the Minnesota House of Representatives are up for election this year. Republicans currently hold 76 seats, while the DFL controls 55. Three of the seats are vacant. Republicans have been in control of the House since 2015. And today, we're joined by the two House leaders, Republican House Speaker Kurt Dowd and DFL House Minority Leader Melissa Hortman. Thank you both for being here. Uh, I know you have been busy, both of your caucuses, because this is the mail that has shown up at my house and others uh, in House races across the state of Minnesota. It is going to be highly competitive. I think we all uh, understand that. And Speaker Dowd, how confident are you that you can retain control of the Minnesota House? Well, first, I think there's one thing that everyone in Minnesota can agree upon. We're all ready for this to be over. Um, you know, we're pretty confident. We've got uh, a great record to run on. We cut taxes for Minnesotans. We invested in roads and bridges in a historic way, in education in a historic way. And we reduced the cost of health insurance two years in a row. Um, and as we talk to Minnesotans about those things, uh, that's exactly what Minnesotans care about, and, and we've got a record of accomplishment. I think you have to win 11 seats, is that right, to take that's control? Right. Uh, how confident are you that that can happen in a year when many people think Democrats might have a slight edge? Yeah, there's three things that uh, lead me to believe we've got a very good shot of taking over the Minnesota House this year. First, midterms are very swingy in Minnesota. We pick up an average of 17 seats for the party opposite the president in a midterm in the Minnesota House. Uh, second, we have fantastic candidates from Kelly Morrison, who's running in your neck of the woods, to Aaron Cagle, who's running up in my neck of the woods. And number three, they're working really hard. They've gone out and talked to Minnesotans May, June, July, August. Some of them started their door knocking when it was still snowy outside. 
So given the amount of work, the quality of the candidates, and the fact that this is probably a Democratic-leaning year, I feel we have a good shot. Now, you both wrote op-eds in the Star Tribune uh, this morning and laid out very different uh, visions of health care in Minnesota. All of our polling has shown, uh, Mr. Speaker, that that health care is the number one issue. Uh, and you say that Republicans did a lot to keep the cost of health care down. Explain that. Well, we already know what will happen if Democrats are in charge of health care because they put us in the situation that we're in now. And that led to 300% increases in premiums. Uh, for the last two years uh, under Republicans in the House, uh, we have reduced the insurance pre health insurance premiums uh, by double-digit decreases two years in a row. Um, what we need is to go back to a similar system to what we had before. We had coverage for pre-existing conditions. We, we, uh, you know, we had uh, much lower uh, uh, premiums. We had uh, all of the things that Minnesotans really want um, and, and coverage that, that Minnesotans really need. Um, you know, I sat with a family uh, that told me a story about what happened to them under the Democrats' plan. Uh, they, they were quoted $3,000 a month with a $13,000 a year premium. And with tears in their eyes, they looked at me and said, we had to drop our health insurance coverage because we couldn't afford it. So we know what will happen if Democrats take control again. Now, premium increases did go down this year, but you say it came at a great cost, a little more than a half billion dollars, I think, uh, to kind of artificially lower those rates. Well, in actuality, rates went up for more people than they went down for. In the individual market, 155,000 people rates went down because we provided $542 million as a subsidy with no questions asked. But in the small business market, prices actually went up, and 330,000 Minnesotans are covered in that, not to mention the increases in the large group market. So one thing that's sure under Democrats is we want more coverage for more people. Democrat, or Republicans voted unanimously to repeal pre-existing condition coverage in Minnesota law. Steve Durskowski brought an amendment forward to the House floor, and Republican after Republican voted that uh, insurance companies should be able to sell you junk policies that don't cover diabetes, don't cover cancer. And what happens when you need those, that coverage, when you find yourself with cancer? At the moment when you need that coverage, that insurance policy the most, it wouldn't be there to help you out. Republicans are being hammered in ad after ad, in state after state, saying that you're after uh, pre-existing condition coverage, that you want to eliminate that. And the, is the, that true? The, the great news is nobody believes that. We had pre-existing condition coverage prior to Obamacare here in Minnesota. We had uh, kids covered on their parents' plan until they were 25 here in Minnesota before that. We did it better in this state than anybody else in the country prior to Obamacare. And things have gotten worse under the Democrats' plan. We're not getting rid of pre-existing conditions. No way, no how. Eric Paulson didn't vote that way. Nobody voted that way in the House. Uh, but that's what Democrats are out telling people on the campaign trail. And, the and, and it's unfortunate. And the reinsurance plan that did keep premium increases down uh, was passed on with bipartisan support. And Republicans say it was the Democrats who brought us the system in the first place that required the reinsurance. Do you buy that? No, really. And the Speaker knows that all of the Republicans in the Minnesota House of Representatives, as well as the Republicans in Washington, D.C., voted to repeal pre-existing condition coverage protection. What Republicans believe is that the insurance company should be able to offer you any kind of plan that they want to sell. What Democrats believe is that when they sell you health insurance, it should actually cover you when you get sick. There's very clear voting record on this, and, and the Republicans can't run from that. And just 20 seconds on this. The Minnesota care buy-in is still something you would be after if you take control of the House. It would absolutely be a way to lower rates for individuals and small businesses because by aggregating all of us into the same market, we get lower prices for everybody. Republicans say that would drive a lot of small 
town healthcare providers out of business. Well, it absolutely will. Those reimbursement rates will put uh, small clinics and, and hospitals all over the state of Minnesota out of business. Everybody knows that. The system that, that Democrats want is not workable. Um, and they'll do the same thing to Minnesota Care that they've done to the individual marketplace, which is virtually decimated uh, if they do that. Just a minute left. Before health care became the number one issue, uh, taxes used to always be the number one issue. Uh, Tim Walls, the Democrat running for governor, has been going around the state for months now talking about uh, raising the gas tax, saying it is time. If you take control of the Minnesota House, will you raise the gas tax? Well, I'd say the number one thing that we hear people talk about is education, not taxes. But I think it's clear that we need a long-term investment in our infrastructure. In Minnesota, we're falling behind. And I think we need to have a serious discussion about how to do that and not, not do that at the expense of our classrooms or at the expense of our nursing homes. So is that yes or no on supporting the gas I think tax? it's a fair discussion. Mr. Speaker. You know, we have already shown that our priority is to invest the dollars that we already take in, and we have a surplus in the state right now, to use those for the things that Minnesotans want and care about. And we put a historic investment into our road and bridge infrastructure last year, and we plan to do more in the next biennium. Jeff Johnson has essentially taken a no-due taxes pledge. Would you uh, follow along with that, even though it might result in gridlock like we've seen so many times before? You know, I think we're open to changing and making our tax code more fair, but uh, the reality is we're taking in more money than it takes to operate government right now. We have a surplus. And surpluses are going to get larger because our economy is doing so great. Um, so next year when we come in, we'll have more than enough resources to take care of all these things and still do some tax relief so Minnesotans can share in that. All right. We are out of time. Mr. Speaker, uh, Minority Leader Hortman, thank you both for being here. Best of luck to you both on the campaign trail. A couple of busy days ahead for both of you. Up next, Mike Erlinson and Andy Brem will be here for political analysis. We'll be back in two minutes. And we're back with political analysis on this rainy Sunday morning. Mike Erlinson and Andy Brem here to talk a little bit about what's going on. Let's start by talking about the attorney general's race. Ordinarily, we're talking about governor's races and Senate races this late in the campaign. But this attorney general's race, clearly the most polarizing. Keith Ellison has a slight lead in our most recent poll. How do you handicap this? Well, we've seen polls going in both directions, so I think it's pretty hard to handicap. But what we do know is that Keith Ellison's a horrible fit for Greater Minnesota, primarily because he wants to turn the office of attorney general into a policy uh, position, one where he promotes uh, his policies. We want a, law, a chief law enforcement officer, someone uh, that is looking to just enforce the law. Of course, you got Doug Wardlow, who was caught on tape saying he'd fire 42 Democrats uh, in the office. And the Star Tribune chose not to endorse either one of them, saying neither one of them is fit for office. Well, there's no question this is an ugly race, but we've had a lot of ugly politics in Minnesota in 2018. And the Star Tribune probably did the right thing uh, in not choosing somebody in this particular race. And so now the Minnesotans will go to the polls on Tuesday, uh, although 500,000 people have already voted. So who knows how this is all going to shake out. Uh, and choose that. And, you know, hopefully people will look at both of the candidates, uh, evaluate their personal situations all fairly and move forward. And in the governor's race, uh, Tim Walls uh, still with an eight-point lead. It was a seven-point lead in September. It's remained pretty static, but there's still a significant number of undecideds, and our poll admittedly has a 5.3% margin of error. That is still a competitive race. Yeah, I mean, listen, Tim Walls is a good politician. He's a likable guy. But when you when people start deciding who they're going to vote for and looking at the specifics, they're going to realize that the only way we can get what Tim Walls wants is by massive tax increases. We simply don't have that as the most uncompetitive state in the nation 
when it comes to tax climate. But so far, voters don't seem to be turned off by that. No, I mean, Tim is all Minnesotan, right? Even though I think he was born in Nebraska. Um, he's a very likable guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a very honest campaigner. Uh, and so, you know, he's doing really well with Minnesotans, and he's going to win this race. And you know, I don't think anybody expects it'll be eight points. It's going to be close. Um, but it looks good for the Democrat. Now, the outside groups, of course, pouring millions of dollars into that race. Let's take a, just show you some video from an ad that has been airing just in the last few days. It shows a man in a wheelchair who says he would lose, he could have lost health care coverage under Jeff Johnson, even though Jeff Johnson has a totally different view of this. Let's hear what he had to say this week. Using a, a disabled young man to spread lies and destroy the character of an opponent, that's about as low as it gets. Frankly, folks, there is a special place in hell for the people who would write an ad like this and think that this is acceptable behavior. Jeff Johnson points out that that person with low-income parents who's disabled would likely have been covered by Medicaid and would not have been impacted at all by anybody's uh, policies at the state level. Your thoughts? Well, it's just totally dishonest. I mean, Jeff Johnson, no Republican wants to see people like that or anybody uh, without health insurance coverage. But again, the Democrats have shown their willingness to take advantage of people and use them for their political aims. I think this ad was disgusting. And both sides do that. But is this one going too far? You know, I think this is a bad ad. There's no question about it. What I think is important, this ad was not run by Tim Walls, right? This was run by a third party. That Alliance has, for a Better Minnesota. Right, you know, that, you know who knows, um, right? So they've, they, they made a bad judgment there. The reality is, as you just talked with the speaker, I guess on the future speaker, uh, health care is the issue that's out there, and people are going to really vote on health care when it comes to the elections. And I think Democrats win that vote. Now, finally, 20 years ago, a remarkable thing happened. Let's listen real quick. Now it's 1998, and the American dream lives on in Minnesota as we shock the world. Five seconds left. Any shocks this Tuesday? You know, I don't think so. I think that we're in good shape. Hopefully nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Andy and Mike, thanks for being here. An incredible night of supporting paralysis patients in Minnesota. We'll explain when we come back. I had the honor last week of emceeing the annual A Night to Believe Gala at the XL Energy Center. The proceeds go toward research for paralysis recovery. The Mayo Clinic showcased two patients who underwent epidural stimulation procedures that were successfully replicated after initial research at the University of Louisville. It was possible in part because of money raised by Jack Jablonski's fundraiser. It's extremely humbling, obviously, knowing that year after year people still want to come out and, and help raise money for spinal cord injury and obviously want to support myself as well. Jablonski was paralyzed while playing high school hockey. His Believe in Miracles Foundation was created six years ago. Well, we'd like to see what you have to say about At Issue. Just write to at issue at kstp.com. You can listen to episodes of At Issue every week on iTunes, one and iTunes and Podcast One. We have links Posted on the ad issue page at kstp.com. And that is all the time we have for now. Don't forget to vote on November 6th. That is Tuesday, of course. And join us next week on Ed Issue for all of your post-election coverage. Have a great day, everyone.